Well, change is hard, right? Change is difficult no matter what that change looks like. It could be a change in an organization. It could be a change in your job. It could be a change in your family structure. It could be anything. It could be a change in wanting to become more healthy. Uh, change is really, really difficult. And what I would say is to change in the beginning is really, really hard. To take that first step towards changing some, something is really the hardest step to take. As I heard this week, as I was doing some studying, I saw a little video, and it talked about how a space shuttle will use more fuel in the 60 seconds to take off than it will use to get around the circumference of the earth. It's that initial phase of taking off for a shuttle, and it's the same for you and for me. Uh, those areas where we see our hurts and our hang-ups and our habits, the series, Life's Healing Choices, that we've been looking at, uh, we've been looking at a few things, and today I'm going to encourage you to begin to just take a step towards change, uh, a step towards healing. We've looked at some specific things, but this is going to be even another step uh, toward making some change in your life. Uh, but you have to get started, right? You have to get started in that motion to really see change take place, to see healing take place. Uh, I, I'm always, um, it's always interesting as I preach and I teach um, and I hear feedback um, and I appreciate the feedback that I get and what things mean to people and how it's changed some things in their life. But I just got to be honest, um, when I teach, the goal is transformation, right? The, the goal is action. Rarely ever is it just knowledge, right? N knowledge is good. Um, but really what we hope takes place is that knowledge leads us to, to action. Um, the other night I went grocery shopping with my family. We had not done in years, and, and so we, we went family uh, grocery shopping, and it was fun. Cade's on the cart, and uh, used to when he was little, I wouldn't let him do it, and I don't really care. And so I'd let him get on the cart, and I'd push him around, and we had grabbed some groceries, and then I began to smell something. And, uh, and so I was like, is this, is this me all of a sudden that is stinking extremely uh, bad. A little bit of a, a fish smell. And so I'm, I'm smelling myself, and then I, I come to find out that Heather had smelled it as well, and so she's trying to figure out if it's her that stinks. And, and then my daughter's like, I smelled that too. And so we're trying to figure out what the smell was in the grocery store. And then we get home, and the smell is still there, right? And so we're, we're starting to figure out, okay, what did we buy? What did we get? And we finally figured out it was a bag of potatoes, right? And so, uh, yeah, you've maybe had some of those smells. And so I go out, and yeah, we, for sure it was the bag of potatoes. And it was in that moment where I was like, all right, you know, it's no big deal. And I was like, no, we got to get a new bag of potatoes, right? So we had an option. We can throw the potatoes away, right? We can, just get, we can just get rid of it. The other option is we go through the bag of potatoes, and we find the one that's bad. And as Heather explained to me, there was a little bit of juice in the bag of potatoes. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going for that option um, of just... <laughs> finding the one potato. And so the option was a, a fresh start, right? The best option was to go back and say, look, this, this bag of potatoes is not a good bag of potatoes. I need a good bag of potatoes. I needed to start over. It wasn't just pulling one thing out. I needed a new start. I needed a fresh start. For some of you, you've gone your whole life trying to figure out why you do the things you do. You've tried to figure out the habits that you have, whatever that looks like, and you've tried to figure out what, what has caused me to have those habits. And I really think that most of the things that have caused the habits in our life are the hurts and the hang-ups that's happened to us, the things that we've done, and we've often masked those things with habits. 
And you might be here today and you might think, man, I'm so thankful that I don't really have those habits. But, but I would say that all of us probably have something. We all probably have something that when we hurt, when we're upset, that we turn to. It could be the TV and we just shut our mind off. It could be social media that we just pour ourselves into. It could be food. It could be some sort of substance. It could be a person. There's probably something that you turn to in those moments. Some of them healthy and some of them not so healthy. So, so how do we begin to change? How do we begin to make some choices that are going to lead to healing in our life? Uh, we've looked at several things that I've encouraged you to do so far. Uh, these teachings that I've been going through is through a program called Celebrate Recovery. Maybe you've heard about it. It started out on the West Coast. It's been going on for years, but it's really the goal is to help all people find healing in their life. Uh, removing some barriers, but just helping people deal with their hurts and their habits and hang-ups. And so this teaching has been proven to really work, and, and I was really drawn to it. And, and hopefully that even through this series, there'll be a group of people who say, you know what, maybe we should do that around here. Maybe we need to celebrate recovery. Maybe, maybe we need a space where people can come in and begin to deal with those hurts and hang-ups and specifically the habits that they have in their life. And so these teachings have come from that. And so we said, okay, we got to admit that we have a need. We just, in the beginning, we have this spiritual need. We're bankrupt without God. And we, we have to have someone come in and help us. And then the second thing was that we realized that the God that we talk about could actually bring power to our life. Uh, that we could live hopeful. That that. I know in the midst of things that hope is not always one of those emotions that we have. In the midst of our hurts and hang-ups and habits, hope is not usually the other H that comes along with that. And so what if we believe that there was a God who has power to help heal and to bring hope? And then I said, to really start the process, we have to let go of some things. Many of us continue to carry some of those things around with us, and we think that we can exist while we hold on to those. But, but we know that we can't really be healed and whole and, and live life as God wants us to as we continually hold on to those things. And I said, you, got, you have to let them go. Uh, not in a way where you can go back and get them, but what we are going to let go and be set free. And then I encouraged you last week, I said, okay, if we're going to let go, uh, the next choice is to really come clean. And, and what I told you was that it is easier to suffer in silence. It's easier to deal with those things in the sense of it's easier to, to, to pretend that we don't have a problem in silence. And I encourage you to do a couple things just to take that personal inventory. What, what is it that you're going through? What, what are some of those things in your past that hurt you and maybe you've never paid attention to? What were the things that were done to you or said about you that you have carried? It's caused you to do certain things or not do things. And I said, take that personal inventory. What are some habits that you wish looked different? And I said, then you take responsibility for your part, right? If it's 1%, you own the 1%. Uh, what part do you own? And I will say again, and I said it last week, as we look at abuse, you don't own any of that. Uh, none of that is your fault. And so the responsibility I'm talking about is the decisions you have made that often have gotten you to where you are today. And so you begin to take responsibility for those things. And then you seek forgiveness. You believe that God could forgive you. And you seek that. And then the last thing, and I said this is probably the, the scariest often, is to admit to someone else. To tell someone else, hey, I have these hurts that I've never really talked about. I have these hang-ups, these things that I just seem to always hold on to. Or maybe even to share, look, I, I have this habit, whatever that might be. And it seems really difficult to break free. And I encourage you to do that. And the scripture says that God gives forgiveness, but healing often comes when we share with someone else. And so I encouraged you to do that. And that is a great beginning. But then what? 
Well, I think that real change happens when we begin to submit. When we submit our ways in our life to God, fully submit. Every part of us, not just a little bit, not just our Sunday mornings when we come into this space, or not, not just a, a, a part of your life, but your entire life. If you would submit every area, all of those hurts, all of those hang-ups, and even your habits. If you could submit those things to God, I think there's a moment where we begin to really begin to see healing in our lives. Jesus has a, a moment where he's preaching to a group of people, and those are the, the teachings we've been looking at over the last five weeks. And so, uh, again, Matthew 5, 6, this is what Jesus says. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, that's our gift to you. Please take that red Bible. Uh, you can mark it up. You, that, that's yours. Uh, and the page number for that Bible is on the screen. Uh, but Matthew 5, 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Or you could say, are happy are those who want to obey God more than anything. They will find what they want. Or as one translation says, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God has required. P part of healing, part of moving past our hurts and our hangups and our habits is to fully align ourselves with God. Forgiveness is the beginning of that, but, but but I think there's a next step. As we seek forgiveness, we also seek direction from God. And as I've told you, your hurts and habits are leading to some, or your hurts and hang-ups are leading to some of those unhealthy habits. Some experts say that 40% of your day is based on habit, right? I don't know about you, but there's times where I get up in the morning, I don't even think about what I'm doing. I have my pattern of getting ready. Uh, and then I'm, I'm ready. I didn't, I didn't have to think through it because I have this habit. I have these steps that I take each morning when I get ready. Or even the dangerous thing to me sometimes is I'll drive down the road and I don't remember where I just drove, right? Because you take the same path and you do the same thing over and over again. You have these habits. I, I come in and I often get a cup of coffee even if I don't want a cup of coffee, right? It's just this habit of the smell. There's this reward that often comes with our habits. Sometimes uh, not so healthy, but, but something happens from our habits. And so we have to begin to pay attention to those habits. What would it look like to create new habits? And I think you want that. I really do. I, I think that all of us want to be healed and whole. I don't think there's any of us, as I said last week, who would say, nah, I'm not for that. I really like the hurts that I haven't let go of. And I, I kind of enjoy holding on to some of those things. And, you know, in my habits, they're, they're not healthy for me or the people around me. But, you know, I just, I don't really want to be healed and whole. I think you do. But I don't think we know how. I think we're scared. And, and we don't know what other people will think about us. And so something has to change. And one reason I know that people want to change is because self-help books and motivational products is a $10 billion a year industry in America alone, $10 billion is being spent by people who are saying, look, I got to figure something out. Uh, things in my life are not right. I got I to figure some things out in my life. And then what was interesting to me is they said in a survey that 50% of all books, of, of self-help books, 50% of those books are never read past the first chapter. Right? And that's, that, that, is, that is funny, but there's this idea we want to change, and we'll even start reading about change, but then to actually change is hard. That 90% of motivational self-help books are never even finished. Because it's hard. It's hard to change. We don't know how, and we don't always know what to do next. And often, 
the idea of changing feels like taking on a mountain. It's really hard because usually those areas we want to change are not little things. And so we become overwhelmed and we don't know what to do. There's a guy named Paul who uh, wrote a lot of the New Testament. He hated Christians. He becomes a Christian and then he helps other people become Christians and he would plant these churches and then he would write these letters uh, to these people. And so he says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Again, Paul is saying, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to see your life as a way of worship. Not just a, not just a little bit. Again, your, your bodies, all of you, that you would see all of you as an act of worship. And then he says this, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, don't conform. Uh, just because you see other people doing it or you thought that's what's best because it was best for someone else or you want to fit into the ways of the world, he says, don't conform to it. Uh, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And when we begin to do this, God begins to change us. He, he changes us from the inside out. Something happens internally where our lives begin to look different. So when you follow Jesus, your life begins to look dramatically different. If we're aligning ourselves with him, if we are looking to obey him, if we are caring more about what he desires than maybe what we desire or what things around us are telling us, we should desire or what people want of us. And so I was thinking about that this week and just kind of a little bit of a side note. Uh, I know as I, as I work through these, uh, maybe you feel like you've already worked through your hurts and your hang-ups and your habits and you're in a good place. And so each week I've been trying to help you if you're at that place to still figure out, well, what does this mean for me? Last week I said, look, you might have someone who comes to you and says, hey, here's my hurts and my hang-ups and my habits. Well, how do you respond? And I, I told you that you are a conduit of God's love that in those moments you have an opportunity to speak grace and love to someone. That as they've struggled and they wonder what God thinks of them, you in that moment have a chance to speak life to them, a conduit of God's love. And I think for all of us, love has got to define us as followers of Jesus. It just has to. I've seen too many posts this week and some by even pastors that I'm aware of that are just unloving. They're just unloving. And so as we think about this, as we think about conforming to ways, I even think we can conform to some ways that we seem as religious, that seem as religious, right? That we've seen things in the past, we've seen how things have been done, or we, we see people say certain things, and we think that really doesn't align with the gospel, that those maybe are just personal agendas or feelings. But as a follower of Jesus, in all situations— you have a choice. You, you can be more kind or less kind. You can be more loving or less loving. And so I just want to encourage you, as we think about conforming, um, we, we want to be transformed by who God is. That it should change everything about us. And in every moment, what, whatever that moment is, you're driving down the road and someone wants to get over, and you can either speed up and be less kind or be my, more kind and let them in. Simple things you have a choice. Someone hurts you in your office, you have a choice. You, you can be more forgiving or less forgiving, right? So in those moments, would you conform 
not to the world, but would you be transformed by who God is and what God is doing? And so this should play into your business. This should play into the people you are, are, are working next to. There, there should be this sense of your love for people, that, that those you are around who, who don't know Jesus should think something about you because of the way you treat them and get to know who it is that you follow. And so we want to renew our mind. And so as we think about change, we have to begin to think differently about change. Just real quickly, uh, there's some reasons why it's hard to change. Real quickly, and this is from people way smarter than me. Um, And so uh, biologically, there's some reasons it's hard to change. Your chromosomes may make it hard to change in certain areas. You may be predisposed for certain things, maybe even addictions. Uh, For me, there's a saying around uh, my family, and it's called, my last name is Rainbolt, and uh, there's this little saying called the Rainbolt temper, right? And so there is this, it feels like, that maybe I'm predisposed for that, but it's not an excuse. So even as science may say, look, you, you are predisposed to this, and the chances are you're going to have a hard time in these certain areas, it, it doesn't give us an excuse. It just might make it hard to change. Or your circumstances, it's how you were raised. Uh, you are living off of learned behaviors. Uh, you saw how your parents or the adults around you dealt with conflict. And if we're honest, most of us have never seen conflict dealt with very well, right? And so we've, we've learned how do we deal with conflict. Do I spew and I just yell when I'm upset and it feels good to me? Or do I stew and I hold it in and I tell people nothing's wrong? Both of those unhealthy, but both of those are learned behaviors. The circumstances we have been put in will often lead us to certain habits or the choices that you've made. You've made choices, I've made choices, not always leading us to health or wholeness, often because of hurts and hang-ups. And so you've been unloved by a parent when all you have wanted is to be loved by them, that you didn't feel, you didn't feel like you were worthy that you didn't belong in your own family. And so if that is the case in those circumstances, often what will happen is you'll just often pursue bad relationships. You'll just accept things that aren't good because that's what you've always seen. And so as you begin to think of your own life, there's some biological reasons, some circumstantial reasons, some choices that have led you to where you are now. And then all these things add up, right? They add up and it becomes difficult to deal with the pain that we've experienced. And so there's some other reasons that is. Well, it's been going on for a long time. The longevity, it's familiar. And so sometimes change is difficult because we become comfortable even in bad situations. And it's hard to change, even in chaos, right? You've spent several years, maybe even decades. um, Decades is 10 years, right? Yeah, okay, decades uh, dealing with these things. And so it's hard in a moment to think, okay, am I really going to be able to to get away from that? That's all I've ever known. Is there, is there really hope that things could look different? You've become confused. You become confused with your decisions and your identity. You, you have found your identity in the decisions that you've made. You might say things, well, it's just who I am, or I can't help it, or you begin to make excuses or degrade yourself. You, you often speak more poorly to yourself than other people would. And so what, what does that look like? Well, you have to begin to think differently. And all of you, no matter what you think about God, no matter what you believe about God or where you would say you are in the, the journey of following Jesus, 
The scriptures are very clear that all of us are created in the image of God. All of you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you are doing. It doesn't matter what you've said about God or believe about God. You are created in the image of God. And, and it wasn't bad. It was good. It was very good. And so that, that is your identity right there. Even if you don't believe in God or you don't uh, think that God has anything to do with you, you have been created, I believe, in the image of God. And you start finding your identity there. But the second thing is if you are a follower of Jesus, you're not only created in the image of God, but you belong to God in a certain way. John 1.12 says this, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So it's not just that you are created in the image of God, but you belong to God as a child of God. That is your identity. Not what you've done, not, not your hurts or your hang-ups or your habits. Your, your identity is found in who God says you are. And so here's what I know to be true. Until we really believe that, we'll often just get caught in a cycle. We'll just continually be caught in a cycle of trying to figure out how to deal with our hurts and our hang-ups and our habits. And then the third thing is this enemy of God. That God is desiring something more for you. To, to live healed and whole. And I believe there's an enemy of God. Who, who wants nothing more than to keep you from that? And so the enemy will say things to you like, you could never change. Nobody cares. Who, who do you think you are that you could actually look different? You're hopeless. You're stuck. Let, listen to how Jesus defines the enemy. In John 8, it says this, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so we'll often believe that voice over what God says about us. And the hope is that we could begin to hear the voice of God more than we would hear the voice of the enemy. And so if you look at all that, you, you have a lot against you as you begin to try and figure out what does it look like to change? Like what in the world am I supposed to do? And so I want to give you one word to kind of think about, and that's this word focus. I want you to begin to focus. Uh, Cade, some of you who were around several years ago, my son who's eight, uh, he kept telling us he couldn't see. And if you were around, you might remember me sharing this with you, but he was telling us he couldn't see very well, and he kind of liked his sister's glasses, right? Uh, I didn't understand it, but he, he liked her glasses, and so he kept saying, I can't see, I can't see. And I'm like, Cade, you just want glasses, you can see fine. And so finally the school checked his eyesight, and they sent home a note saying that he needed to see an eye doctor because he can't see. And uh, even in that moment, I'm like, he's just a really good faker, right? He's just faked out the doctor. There, you know, he doesn't, need, he doesn't need glasses. And so I took him to the eye doctor. And if you've ever had your eyes checked, they have you look and you, you try and read the letters and you do as much as you can. And then they basically put glasses over your eyes. And I'll never forget when they put them over Cade's eyes, he just like, he just like lit up, right? And he's like, I can see and in that moment, I felt like a terrible father, right? Uh, but, but there was something that happened for Cade when he began to see things clearly, right? When he was able to focus, there was something that changed in him, right? And now I know he can barely exist without glasses. He's really blind. Um, but, but for him, focusing, right, being able to see clearly really made a difference. And so as you think about changing, I'm going to encourage you to focus, 
and to focus on one thing. To focus on one thing. What, what is causing the most pain right now? What, what's the one thing? What, what's the one hurt that you need to deal with now? What, what is the one thing that will begin to help you break your habit? What, what's the one thing? Uh, years ago when I was a senior in college, our football seniors went to Pikes Peak and I think I've shared this before, but we decided to hike Pikes Peak. Actually, our coach decided to hike Pikes Peak and uh, had us come along uh, with him. And, and our coach at the time was like, it's, you know, it's a pretty good hike. It's a couple of hours, a couple of miles, and this is about uh, what we need. And so we hit that point where he said we should have been done, and it felt like we were not even halfway done. And on this hike, you could see Pikes Peak, and you would come up to the crest of a mountain, and you, you would think it was going to continue to go, but then you would see that there was this huge valley, right? Now you had to go down into the valley and back up the mountain. And we, we ran out of water way before we should have, and it was one of the hardest things. And this is a, a group of football guys who were in probably the best shape of our lives. We could barely do it. And it literally became a point where we're like, all right, I just got to get to there. <laughs> I got to get about 10 feet. And so we would one step at a time. And I'm not exaggerating. Danny, who is with me today, was on this trip with me, and it was one of the hardest things. And we got to the point where it's just like, next step, right? We, let's quit looking at the, the peak. Let's just take the next step. And as you think about change in your life, you, you stare at where you want to be. And that's okay. That could be overwhelming. Because as you stare at where you want to be and you think you're going in a good direction, the valleys come. More difficult things come up. Maybe you make a poor choice again, and it feels overwhelming. But, but what if we could just one step, right? Just one, one step. What if we just focus on one step? I, I'm reading a book right now called uh, One Thing by Gary uh, Keller, and he is uh, in charge of the largest retail, the Keller uh, Real Estate. Uh, and he talks about the power of dominoes, and this was fascinating to me, um, but, but dominoes, have the power to knock over other dominoes, right? We know that. But almost twice as high, right? Or twice as big. And so I don't know if when I was a kid, I used to love to, to set up dominoes, right? And if you were like me, you would do it in all different directions and you would do all kinds of things. Then every once in a while, you'd accidentally knock one over and you have to start all the way over. That was always the worst. Um, but here, here's what I know about dominoes. There is so much potential energy in dominoes. I don't know if you know this. But, but if you had eight dominoes, I don't know how many I have here, two, four, six, eight, let's go there, right? You have eight dominoes. If the first was two inches, the last one could be three feet. I mean, just think about that. Two, two inches could, could knock over a domino that was three feet high because there's so much potential energy in dominoes. And it was fascinating as I read this, right? As I read this, that the 23rd domino it could knock over something the size of the Eiffel Tower because there's so much potential energy in that. But here's what's fascinating. It, it... <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? Right? Here's the thing. For this one to fall over, if I don't shake everything, for this one to fall over, I just got to start one. Just one. I'm not responsible of getting all of these down at once, right? The power comes when I just, just one, right? And so for you, as you think about change, just, just focus on, on the one. Well, what is the one thing today that you can do? 
and, and then you, you move on. And so spiritually, what, what does this look like? Real quick, we're going we're gonna to get through this. What does this look like spiritually? I want to give you just a few, a few tips, okay? As you think about one, I want you to focus on one day, right? Just one day. As things are difficult for you, one day. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and he says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when you pray, ask that you would have what you need for the week. It's just today. So as you wake up tomorrow, God, would you give me this today? As I deal with the hurt in my life, as I'm overwhelmed, just, just today, give me what I need. Or if you read the Old Testament before Jesus comes, uh, God gets his people out of bondage and slavery. One of my favorite scriptures is they can't find anything to eat, and they would rather go back into bondage, and they make the statement where we used to eat and sit around pots of meat, and I'd rather do that in bondage than try and figure out what's next. And out of God's love, he says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you meat and quell in the evening, and then each morning you'll wake up, and there'll be manna. It will be bread for what you need. And so when this happens, they're told, just take what you need. Just take what you need for today. And it says those who took a lot didn't have too much. And those who took little didn't have too little. But then there were a group of people who I know were afraid that it wouldn't come tomorrow. Right? It was hard for them to trust. Is God really in the morning? Am I going to wake up? And bread is going to be there for me. And so they would take more than they were going to take that, eat that day. And then maggots would come and it would stink. And there's this idea where, where God is just saying, today, just today, don't worry about tomorrow, the man is going to show up tomorrow. Just, just today, take what you need. Or Jesus says this in Matthew 6, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today, right, we're going to focus. Uh, we're going to focus on one thing, and then we're going to just focus on today. And when you wake up tomorrow, it's a new day, and you commit that day to God. And you say, God, as I'm struggling with this habit, I just need you to help me get through today. We're going to celebrate when you hit certain milestones. Right? We'll do that. But just today. You become overwhelmed with what tomorrow could look like. You become overwhelmed and afraid of what 100 days could look like. And so because of that, you often don't take the next step. I don't take the next step. I don't, I don't do it because I'm concerned about what it could look like. So we're going to focus on one thing. We're just going to focus on today. We're going to focus on God's strength as we do that, not our own. We're going to believe that God would begin to help us. Uh, Paul at one point says, look, I've learned what it means to be content, uh, whether well-fed or hungry. I I've learned those things, Paul says. And that's that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This isn't meaning you can do whatever you want, but what, what Paul is saying is just moment by moment, God will give you what you need. You can get through the pain. You can get through your hurts and your hang-ups and your habits, not on your own strength and power, but on God's. Then you're gonna, so you're going to focus on one thing at a time. You're going to focus on today. As you focus on today, you're going to use God's strength. You're going to focus on those who can help you. Uh, what I believe to be true is we become like those we surround ourselves with. You'll become like those people. You'll take on their personalities, you'll take on what they believe, you'll take on what they think is most important. And so who you surround yourself matters. First uh, Corinthians 15.33 says this, do not be misled, bad company corrupt, corrupts good character. And so you have an opportunity to impact others, but if you're surrounding yourself with people who don't speak life to you, who don't encourage you, who don't help you as you are dealing with those things, then maybe you need to surround yourself with someone else. 
And then again, on the other end, are you helping those around you to stay focused? Someone shared something with you maybe over the last week. Have you followed up with them? Are you praying for them? Are you encouraging them just to take the next step? So as I've met with people even over the last week or two, I've just been saying, what's the one thing? Let's not try and figure it all out right now. Just what's the one thing that you could do where life may look different? Now I'm going to ask you just to focus on progress. I think this is really, really important. Focus on what God has done, what God is doing. Don't, don't worry about the future, but, but just focus on where you've been. And, and here's what I want to say to you. If I see the cross as a picture of where I'm moving, if I'm moving towards Jesus, it doesn't matter where I find myself, right? It doesn't matter where I find myself. What, what matters is where I've turned to. Where, where is my heart turned towards? Because this is what I know for many of you. You've lived life in the church, right? So you've lived life really close to Jesus. But you haven't always committed to turning towards him. Right? A lot of what you've done is even faced this way. You're here every week. You've done a lot of stuff. You volunteer a whole lot. But, but something hasn't changed in you to where you say, well, I'm going to turn myself towards God. Because we believe that he can help us. Right, so I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not about being in a building. It doesn't matter uh, what that looks like. But where is your heart turning towards? And as you think about progress, just think about what God has done or is doing day by day. Right, what is the one thing you need to focus on? And, and you focus on that each day. And as you focus on that each day, you focus on God's strength to get you through that day. That day. Do you need more grace today? Pray for that. Do you need strength because you know you're in a certain situation? pray for that. You got to have a conversation with someone, pray for that. Today, when you focus on God's strength, surrounding yourself with those who can help, and then you just begin to focus on progress. Take that next step. Well, we're going to celebrate and end today with communion. And here's what I, I think is important for us to remember this morning, is those that, that God uh, invited into that circle with Jesus didn't have it all figured out. Um, as Jesus is at the end of his life, uh, he's having a meal with his close disciples. And in that room was a guy named Judas, who Judas would betray Jesus. And a guy uh, named Peter, who would deny even knowing Jesus. Uh, the rest of the disciples even kind of sink back into the crowd, and they're not even with Jesus in those last days, uh, the, the day or moments of Jesus' life. Yet it was in that moment that Jesus offers something to them. I think what Jesus is offering is a different way of doing life. What Jesus is offering is hope and love and peace. And so this morning, we're going to come to the table. And if you're new here, uh, you are invited to participate in this. Uh, we have what's called an open table. And so uh, we hope that you would decide to follow Jesus, maybe even today. Maybe that's never happened in your life, but maybe today would be a day where you say, okay, I'm just going to take a next step and believe that everything that's in my past, everything I've done, uh, there's forgiveness for me through Jesus. Not because you're good enough, but because Jesus did his work on our behalf, that God would be able to forgive us. And so as those disciples were given that gift, we are too. And so when we come today, would you just remember? Would you just celebrate what God has done and is doing? That this is what brings us each week is the sacrifice that Jesus has made. And then the other thing that I love about this is we're all one as we come to the table. Uh, that it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Maybe today is the first day. Maybe today is the 50th year you've followed Jesus. 
we all come as one. It doesn't matter economics or race, what you do for a living, we all come to the table made in the image of God as children of God. And so you're all welcome to participate in this. Those who are helping me serve will come forward and uh, we'll start passing out the elements to those uh, people. Uh, when you come, we, we do something a little different lately, but someone will hand you the elements uh, as a picture of you, you don't um, do anything other than to receive God's grace and gift. And so when you come forward, we'll ask that you just hold your hands out. We'll put a piece of bread in your hand, and then someone will hand you a little cup. Uh, if you have a gluten allergy, all stations are gluten-free, so you can come wherever you uh, want to go. Um, but when we do this this morning, would you just, again, would you begin to see that God can change our hearts? That God transforms us as we do this. After we celebrate in communion, uh, we're going to end with a video uh, of a story of someone who had taken some steps to, to see some change in their life. But at this time, would you pray with me? Father, it's in these moments, um, the bread and the cup, we bless those. Uh, we believe that something happens in these moments that we can't always define. Um, God, we believe that this is a moment where we remember what you've done and we are thankful. God, as we come to the table full of hurts and hang-ups and habits, would we come knowing that we're fully loved? And God, would you help us to see that there is strength and power in you that helps us to change even today. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.